Welcome to Stoner. We took a week off for the 4th of July. We are now back and better than ever. Uh, this week on the show, Benny Blanco, uh, writer of smash hits by Katy Perry, Rihanna, Ed Sheeran, uh, one of the most sought-after producers out there. Also something of a uh, enigmatic recluse. Uh, so a rare sighting of Benny Blanco here on this program gave a very candid interview. Uh, if you're interested in, at all about how this show is made or why it's made, um, there is a story, there's an interview with me at Mary Jane, that's M-E-R-R-Y, Mary Jane, uh, Snoop Dogg's site. Uh, you should check it out. Thanks to them for um, helping get some new people interested in this show. Also, I did an interview at the Wolf's Den, Earwolf's show about podcasting. They have a podcast about people who make podcasts. I make podcasts, and thus I was on that show. Check that out. They're both uh, on the Twitter uh, for Stoner. We'll be here every Tuesday with a new episode. Thanks for listening. Tell friends. Here's Benny Blanco. There's an uncomfortable sensation. I just did something very stonery. What? I did not hit play. I'm going to ask you the same question. Okay, okay. okay. We're, we're only about one minute in. I'm just going to roll it back exactly the same way. Perfect. Welcome, Benny Blanco. Yo, 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 yo. Um, you are a record producer. I am. You make music. I do. What? How many How many days out of the year is music making like what you're doing that day? Fuck. Like it. 365 for sure. Like, yeah. Like I'm doing some form of music, whether it's thinking about it, uh, fucking humming, doing whatever. I'm, I'm, I, I can't live a day without doing something musical. Is that something that you've had to build up a discipline to do, or is that an energy that's kind of flowing off of you all the time? It, it just, it just kind of is. I don't really think about it. It's, 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 it's something I do every day you know when i'm happy i want to make music when i'm sad i want to make music when when it's just something i feel uncomfortable if i'm not doing if i'm not making music it's like i get like this like itchy sensation or if i'm not listening like i you know it's just part of my dna what was your relationship to music like when you were a kid it's funny like i'm i'm super lucky i have rad parents who had really cool musical tastes like i wasn't listening to bullshit like i used to steal we used to have these like outdoor like bose speakers and we used to have this this uh these like this cd player back in the day portable cd players used to plug in like you used to have to plug it in so i'd run around the house if like my mom was having a party and she had like a Prince Greatest Hits. And I always used to listen to that song, Sexy Motherfucker, all the time. And I would just like strip down into my underpants when she had people over and I'd just be like dancing to it. And she's <laughs> like, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, and I was I was super into, you know, my parents really put me on a lot of really good music. When we were in the car, it like we were forcing radio. Like they weren't, they would be like, they'd be like, no, like. Let's listen, like my dad would listen to everything from, you know, the Beatles to like Gregorian chants, you know, yeah. like it was like, a, it was a lot of different vibes, you know? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? In Virginia. Were, were kids like starting bands? Like was like 
making it in music something that was on your radar at all when you were a kid? Yeah. So it was like, so in my school, it was like, by the time I got, not, I started music earlier than kids were even thinking about that. You know, like I was making songs when I was six years old. I was in a real studio by the time I was nine. Like, so it was like, I was like really, really, really into it. But like, by the time I got to middle school, you know, everyone was like hitting the fucking freestyles, like, and we would like make beats on the lunchroom table. Then there was a big like rock thing. Like a lot of kids were in like rock bands, like like emo shit and stuff. Yeah. And then and then yeah, we I think I think I was just making music and it wasn't like, I wasn't like, man, like I got to make music to get girls. It was just like, it was already like in my DNA. I was so into it, you know? Did you gravitate early to the kind of recording part? Like the, um, like sort of composition of recorded sounds? I, I didn't even understand like to me. So I had, I had, um, the world is yours. Uh, and the Nas, uh, I had a tape cassette of it. And I just assumed that Nas made the beats, uh, recorded himself, like scratch, like the scratching records. I thought that was like him doing it with his mouth. So I started beatboxing and like <laughs> scratching records with my mouth, like because I didn't, I didn't understand. Like I thought it was all one person. I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm six years old, seven yeah. years. So as I'm growing up, I'm learning more and more, and. I thought everyone made their own beats and I didn't have until I was about 10 or 11. And then I started reading liner notes and I got like obsessed with liner notes and I realized that other then people- Then I started loitering in the yeah, parking lot yeah, of guitar center. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I and I realized like other people, like, you know, there was, it's like a village, you know? Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that. And and I got obsessed with with every part of like recorded music. What was your relationship to like hip hop when you were a kid? Like huge. But were, did you see yourself as like an outsider or like? No, I grew up to a. I grew up in a school, like when I I grew up in a town and I was going to a school where hip hop was like really heavily influenced. Like it was like yeah. everyone was listening to hip hop. It wasn't. It wasn't like like a a thing you know and i was like i was in that crowd i was listening to hip-hop i was going to the rap battles i was doing all that one of the things that i like came up when i was talking to people about doing this show was this kind of maybe this is like a generational thing but like of like rap weed and video games are like exist everywhere in the country they exist in the like fanciest like manhattan like school culture and they exist in like towns in like the south those are the common links across like people of this generation i smoked weed <laughs> i played video games yeah and i loved rap music when did you so uh I, i'm assuming that if you got the nas at six or seven the weed came later when did, when did you start smoking weed like when was the first time i yeah. ever smoked when weed? was the first time you ever smoked weed well so here's what happened so i smoked weed First time I ever smoked them with my brother. And I'm like- Older or younger brother? My brother's older. And he was just like- Was he a musical influence on you also? Yeah, 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 yeah of course. And he's like, do you want to smoke weed? And I was like, I was like, yeah. And I was with one of my friends and, and we were going to play basketball like at the park. 
and like we grew up in a in a place where it's like town where it's like woods and like lots of like paths and yeah. stuff so we're like walking to my uh, to my elementary school that was like where we were gonna smoke and we're like walking and we're like playing basketball and we smoked like shitty weed like and and my brother was like you won't really get high like the first time you smoke and i was like all right and then i remember i was like whoa and it was like like out of a movie like when like it's like oh my god it's like my legs are getting loose like it's like remember like in beavis and butthead do america where they're like walking through the desert and then they like start tripping like it was like i was like whoa i had never had anything in my body i never had a sip of alcohol never had anything so i'm like smoking and i'm like dude i'm like my legs feel like they're made out of jello and then my and then i was like whoa and we like played basketball and i had like the best night like Did you listen to music no no just like played basketball ran around had fun like and then like i i went to school or like it was in the summer then when school started like i met one of my friends who became like my smoking partner and i was like dude I was like, we gotta fucking smoke weed. He had an older sister. He's like, dude, I did it once too. He's like, let's fucking start. <laughs> so we like smoked weed and then we we're like, yo, we could so get girls. Like, no, like smoking weed's so cool. So we would like go up to girls and we'd be like, you want to smoke weed with us? Because we could get weed because we had older siblings. Like, yeah. Most people, no one was getting weed in seventh grade that was like any, like, first of all, like everyone got shitty weed and like the best weed we would get was so there was only two types of weed like where i grew up and if you got like good weed like you got you got kb you got kind bud oh, like yeah. that meant that meant like that was like that that was like the shit like you had swag or you had like fucking kb and kb was like fuck like this shit doesn't have any sticks or shit in it it's like yo like there's like one crystal on there that's crazy like we never had really good weed do you think in retrospect that 90s hip-hop kind of sounds like shitty weed <laughs> yeah <laughs> like compared to now, like where hip hop sounds like just very like woozy and psychedelic yeah. and rich and sumptuous, like nineties hip hop is like really like grainy and like gritty yeah. and like yeah. a little like compressed. It's like fucking dog shit weed <laughs> that gives you a headache. Yeah, uh, but okay. it's still tight. I feel like we could write like a PhD thesis about this topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so when you got out of high school, yeah. Did you consider like going to college, that kind of stuff? Or were you just like, fuck this, I'm a musician? No, I actually wasn't smoking weed. So what happened is I smoked weed yeah. very intensely for three years, every day of my life, yeah. every single day. I was like, like maybe four, like from like 12 to like 16, yeah. I smoked weed every single day, like got in trouble with my mom. I remember like I brought home, like I had like, a weed plant I was growing. And I was like, no mom, it's like, it's a science experience it's for science. And she's like, no, it's not. And I was like, yeah, it is. And I like hit it and like, I like grew weed, but something happened. What, what did your, I mean, were your, your parents must've been fairly permissive for you to even try that. Yeah, they were chill there. My mom was just like, like my dad smoked weed, but I didn't smoke weed with my dad until I was much older. Like he didn't come clean about smoking weed till like later. And I, I didn't live with my dad uh, growing up, but then, my mom was like this like ex hippie who was like, didn't do drugs or anything anymore. And she was like, no, she was like, she's like, you know, this is bad. And then like, she kindly got to the point, kind of got to the point where she was just like, just 
please don't bring it to school and don't do it outside of the house. She's like, I don't want you to get caught. Don't do it when you're driving. Don't do it anywhere. She's like, as long as you're in someone's house and you know where you're getting it from, then that's cool. She was like, don't take weed from strangers. <laughs> like, like, and then, so I smoked weed a lot. And then one time I remember I went over to my friend's house. I must've been like 16 and we go over and I was like, I had taken like antibiotics or something. I was like sick. And he was like, yo, let's hot box my closet. And he had a closet that was teeny. And like, but he had like a TV in it and like a lava lamp. <laughs> and like, you can see this closet in your head. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, we're smoking. And I was like, and there's like eight of us in there. And we had gotten like good weed from New York. Like some, we got like an, we got like, a half or a quarter and like in those days that was like insane like having like that was like we used to like all put in five bucks to get a gram of weed you know and like smoke like one joint like like and we had so much weed we were like rolling and taking bong rips and i'm like this is all taking place in, inside a closet inside a closet two people with, inside it with like a kung fu thing could you both sit down at the same time or was this kind of like Dude, a there's like up there? six people in there maybe eight <laughs> like it's like uh like the size of this couch but like yeah probably like the size of this couch, this couch like, is not a large couch <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like a little bit wider like it was probably like five feet by five feet like it's like not a walk-in closet like this shit ain't on cribs like no. it's like it's like a a far furthest stretch of the word walk-in closet it's like where so, harry potter lives <laughs> yeah stairs. yeah so yeah we're all chilling in there and we're like close like knees touching and we're smoking and like the room's getting smoky and i'm like kind of sick and i'm like dude i like look at my friend i'm like yo i'm freaking out i'm like freaking out and he just looks at me i'll never forget and he goes maintain yourself and i was like and i was like fuck i was like this dude's like a buddha so i'm sitting there and like we're walking out and we're like and i had never like tripped on weed yet like you know when you get like way too high so like we're walking up the stairs and i like flip out and i like fall backwards and my head goes through the drywall in his house and it was like i guess it was like kind of loose and he's like what the fuck are you doing and i was like dude i'm flipping out and i like go upstairs and he's like let me get you water and his dad like worked for like the government or something so yeah. he didn't want his dad to know and i'm like you got like, like sheetrock dust on yeah. you and i'm like ah! i'm like yelling i'm like all fucked up and he like gives me water and like the glass like slips through my hand and like cracks everywhere and i'm like Ah, I'm just like yelling and I'm like, I gotta call my mom, man. Let me call my mom. And like he like lets me call my mom and I'm like, Mom, I'm like, I did so bad. I'm like, I love you. I'm like, don't be mad at me. And like I like freaked out on pie. And then she like comes and picks me up, but I'm like too scared to go outside and I like and I like won't answer my phone and I keep falling asleep in between it. And then like finally, like I like go outside. And my mom's like, I was worried sick. What's wrong with you? Like, blah, blah, blah. She's taking me home. And I'm like, and I was like, I'm like, I'm sorry, mom. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like so high. She's like, you look crazy. And she's yelling at me in the car. It's like three in the morning. And then I'm just like, <laughs> and I start laughing and she looks at me and then she just starts laughing too. And we had, and she like made me food when we went home and I slept for like eight hours, like 10 hours. And then, um, 
And then I didn't, I smoked weed one more time after and the same thing happened to me. And I didn't smoke weed again until I was like 20, 21 or 22. Now I'd say I smoke weed like how I, how I used to. And, and, uh, I didn't start that again until a few years ago, maybe three years ago. Has the uh, phrase uh, maintain yourself been useful in talking to artists <laughs> going forward? Yes. And myself when yeah. I smoke too much weed. Yeah. Now it's, I literally think about it. I'm just like, maintain yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Definitely in all aspects of life. That was like, that was like the most profound thing that someone's ever said to me. <laughs> what is the first thing that goes through your mind when you think maintain yourself? For me, it's kind of like a posture thing. It's my very first thing. I'm like, Am I like holding myself yeah. at some sort of a strange yeah. angle yeah. right now? No, I'm like this. I'm like, <laughs> like I like breathe in and I'm like, and I'm like, I, whenever I smoke too much weed, like, cause it usually doesn't hit me till I get back to the house. Like I went out the other night and like faced like throughout the night, like I realized I'm like, fuck, we, I went through like 10 or 12 joints with like other people and shit. Yep. And I'm like, and like finally, like when the energy of the party wears off and you get home, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, I'm, and it's like that weird thing where you're like kind of sleeping, kind of awake, you're in like, you're waiting for that bubble to pop. And then I'm like, I'm just like, I'll say maintain myself. And then I'm like, I'm go maintain yourself and I'll go. It's just your overactive mind. That's what I say. Like those are like my mantras, <laughs> mantras? that go through my head. You get one like tattooed step. on your wrist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Maintain yourself. So you've been like you've been making music professionally for almost like a decade now. And yeah, more. You're, 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 you're more and you're not much more than like a decade into being an adult. <laughs> I know. Or less. Was there always especially this is especially true in LA. You split your time between LA and New York. Yes. Was there always so much weed in music, particularly in LA? I feel like there's been weed since I was old enough to be like, oh, that's weed. Yeah. Like I never realized when my dad was smoking when he was younger, like that that was weed. Like yeah. like and then like since weed has just been such a part of my life and whether I'm smoking it or not, it's just like there. And it's just like, whenever an artist goes in, they're like, oh, well, obviously, who got the weed? Does weed make your job easier or harder? I actually, it's crazy. I try not to smoke while I'm working. Right. Because I'm like, if this music sounds good not on weed, it's going to sound tight on weed. That actually was my general, That my assumption was that you weren't smoking and you're working, but does the fact that the artist is almost always smoking <laughs> weed and will not even start till they're smoking weed, does that make your job easier or harder? No, it just kind of is what it is. Yep. And it's like, like all if I'm in like a rap session, I might smoke because it's just like the nature of the beast. <laughs> when you're, in Rome. Yeah, you're just there. Everyone, you're so high anyways. Yeah. Like, but I like smoke. Like dudes are like, like one time I'm like sitting in the studio and like Wiz Khalifa was behind me and I'm like just sitting there. And then like all of a sudden I just hear like, and there's like, it was like the first time I ever saw a dab. This was like years and years ago. And it's like, I looked behind me and there was like a fucking torch going up. And like, dude, you're in that room for like 10 minutes. Like one of our engineers like almost fucking passed out. He's like, dude, I gotta get fresh air. I can't, I'm fucking dying. Were you comfortable like in a rap session from the very beginning or was that something you had to build up? It's just kind of been 
my life. Like I started yeah. doing rap sessions when I was like 12. Yeah. Like, and it was just like, they just got bigger and bigger. And like, instead of like being kids being like, oh man, next year's my year. Like next year we're going to shine. We're going to put out this mixtape. Now it's like, I'm in with the big artists. And they're like, yeah, let's make this album. You know, that's the only difference. This is a question I have is uh, kind of relates to my own uh, work here in, in doing a podcast, which is like, you have to go in and meet a lot of people cold who you might have never met or you might have like only had a few interactions with. And then you're doing this like, pretty like emotionally intimate, like probing art with them. <laughs> you got to go like this. Like you're, you're a person's therapist. That's your job. You're a therapist for the next. You're welcome to lie down on that. Six. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. You're a therapist for the next six to six hours to 18 years. Um, and basically you meet a person. Usually I don't work with the person unless I've met them first and like mm -hmm. made sure they're cool and shit. Cause I don't want to work with a dickhead. Like, you demand an initial an initial consultations before yeah, you, can you know usually begin the technique. <laughs> yeah, most of the time, like songwriters less less so, but like um you meet an artist, you see an artist, you know, I like to take it slow. I don't jump right into the music. Mm. You know, maybe we're just talking, we're eating, we're yeah. I take everything in my life kind of slow. So <laughs> we're like, we're sitting there, we're hanging and say, hey, what do you how are you feeling? What are you talking about? And you're, yeah. the therapist thing comes in. And then before you know it, we're knee deep in a song. When, when you ask someone how they're doing, what, what, do, what do people come back with? Oh, man, I'm just chilling. I'm cool. Like, and I'm like, no, like, what's, what's really going what's on? What's wrong? Yeah, like, <laughs> no, like, what's really going on? What's affecting you? Like, let's not just make a song to make a song. Like, what, what are you feeling right now emotionally? I'll be in with the artist and I'll say, what are you going through right now? Like what's what's on what's on your mind? Good, bad? What are you listening to right now? Let's listen to some music. Let's talk. Let's hang. We're eating. We're doing this. We're doing that. And then you build this trust and this bond. And uh weed definitely helps that. Yeah. Like I've definitely smoked weed like when I'm just hanging out with someone the first time I meet them. Like, first of all, because I use it as my own, you know, emotional and social crutch, you know. Yeah. Because I can't like I could never face like a party or something without smoking weed. I know it's like a bad thing to say, like, wow, I'm like addicted to weed, to but it's like, yeah, I'm completely honest. Like I can't. But yet you did for all those years. I mean, you did like- I did, but I would use, years. but I would use other things. I would use alcohol yeah. and like, I don't drink at all, but like, it's like, I'd say that weed is the safest drug to do that with, yeah. to be like, okay, I need, I need a little thing to to make me feel just a little bit more comfortable around these people. Yeah. And weed weed just is I think is just the greatest I won't even call it a drug, like the greatest tool that you can use in life. And like for anyone who's not doing it, like I feel I I'm I feel sorry for them or if like they've already written weed off before they've even tried it like oh that's bad, that's a drug and put like negative like like they they just make it a negative thing before they've even experienced it. And I've had some of the greatest experiences. I've also had horrible experiences <laughs> on weed. But like when you get that perfect amount of weed in you, like it's just like you know, no one overdoses on weed. No one 
no one kills people like when they're fucking high. You get stoned and you eat food and you and you laugh and you open up a little bit more than you would without having like a you know a psychoactive drug in your in in your head. You know, for someone who's done like as many number one songs, like I've like went on your Wikipedia page and I like was trying to like get a count. You've done like at least 20 number oh, one songs. Uh, uh, you wrote Rihanna's diamonds and yeah. uh, moves like Jagger, like these huge yeah. songs. Most people would be like not able to like go. If you were like an art, uh, a solo artist, yeah. you would not be able to go outside. But yeah. I assume that you can, you can live like a pretty normal day to day life. Yeah. It's pretty chill. Is that by design <laughs> for you? Yeah. Dude, more power to all the artists. It's a hard gig, man. Yeah. It's a hard thing, you know, to be in the spotlight. You're ridiculed every move you do. I'm not built for that. I um I love being able to go out and get a salad, dress like shit, and not shower and and do what I want and not have not be judged all the time you know it's hard on a lot of these artists you know that yep. to be judged constantly and just like just simple things like going to the movies and yeah it's definitely by design i was an artist for a little short period of time and even like the little success we had i was just like fuck this like this sucks you know it's already hard enough like just with the the few times I get stopped, I'd say I probably get stopped, you know, once or twice a day in a, in a major, in a major city, you know, like if I'm in LA or New York or something like that, like I'll get, I'll get stopped like once a day, twice a day. But like, but like even that, like I get uncomfortable and that I'm like, Oh, ooh, uh, you know, and it's just like, I can only imagine like, what if an artist is, you know, someone's like, Oh, this artist is a dickhead. Maybe they were just having a bad day. Like, like just like any other, human but everything that they do is fucking under a telescope it was funny me and you were at a uh, governor's ball a couple of weeks ago and we were walking in the crowd with francis who's been on the show and it was like francis couldn't walk through the crowd because people were like stopping him and yeah. when we went backstage people were stopping you like people in the music industry yeah, were yeah. constantly <laughs> stopping you and like recognizing you and trying to holler at you is that is that hard in choosing like who to work with? Like there's gotta be like a huge demand to work with you and stuff. Like how do you, how do you choose what you're doing week to week? Yeah. Um, a, I did get high before I did this interview and I realized I just said telescope when I meant microscope in the lap. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, did I just say telescope? That would be tight. You know, the hardest part of my job is having to say no, you know, cause like everyone's creative and everyone makes music. So what's my, who am I to be like, that's not good. That's yeah. not, you know, and it's like for the first part of my life, I would just say yes to everyone. Like, and then like I get caught in these like long things and make music with people that I didn't necessarily want to. And now like I figured like, you know, the, the truth will set you free. So, you know, I'll just like, if someone wants to work with me and I'm not into the music, I just tell them, you know, it's nothing against them, but I mean, I'm not like, yo man, your music sucks. I'm just like, you know, it's, it's not where I am creatively. I just tell them the truth. It's not what I feel like. I don't feel like making that right now. And and there's, yeah, there's a really high demand and it's just like trying to pick the right things, you know? And I like to take risks, you know? I I like to work with new artists and, and artists that are washed up and artists that maybe aren't as big and 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 then, but then I like to work with big artists. It's all the same. You know, I'll work with someone 
who's just had a number one song and work with someone who doesn't even have a record deal, you know? Yeah. I've heard you like say that like, you know, you can play lots of instruments, but you're not like an expert at playing any specific instrument. Like I I read an interview once where you were talking about like making a chord by like plucking individual notes is like being kind of a studied amateur part of your technique. (laughs) (laughs) Not on purpose. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I can't play like anything. Like if you were to sit down and you were like, Oh man, play that piano over there. Yeah. I'd be like, uh, like I can play like, enough like i'll like put one finger down then put another then put another till it equals a chord in my head you know um yeah i think sometimes ignorance is bliss you know (laughs) yeah and and i uh i might not know the theory or know the uh know what what an a minor is or like if someone what key this song is in I just go off my gut and I know how it feels and I know how to get the sound I want by my ear. So I can get there. It just takes me a little while. (laughs) I think there's a lot of um, maybe paranoia is the word about songwriting shifting to being like, oh, there's like 15 co-writers in every song. It's written by committee. It's written by camps. And like, there's certainly like interesting things to talk about there. But like when that wasn't where you started. You didn't start off in a room with 15 people. You started off like in a closet with one person. When you first started working in that like big pop capacity, what were those, what were those initial experiences like? What was interesting? Cause when I first started, I did everything myself. So everything I wrote the song, made the music, did everything. Then like I would work with a collaborator. Then I started making songs where it would be like me, another producer, a songwriter and an artist. Then it was like me, another person, another person, another person. It was kind of like, at that point, it was kind of like a factory. We just had so many things going on that we had to like, I would split myself between like three rooms. So I'd be like running in one room, doing drums. Oh, wait, this verse isn't good yet. Oh, add this line, then go do this. And What projects were you working on though? At that time, it was like during like the Katy Perry, Kesha era, like 2009-ish, you know, 2010. Like, what are your working relationships like with an artist like that, where you're like churning out songs and you're like working with like two or three of the, like the biggest names who are all like competitive with each other? I think everyone's, I think everyone's chill. Yeah. Cause what I do is like, I'm gonna make each person's song different. Like, you know, a lot of producers go in the room and it sounds like they produced the record. Yeah. What I want to do is make it sound like the artist did the song and I'm just there like, I'm just the safety net. I'm just holding them up and just like pushing them just a little bit further, you know, towards the towards the prize. You know, I want it to feel like it's a representation of them. And my job is just to get the best out of them. Mm. And so I think if I work with a bunch of different artists, like I could go work with Ed Sheeran and then go work with The Weeknd and Halsey and they're all going to sound completely different, you know? Right. Because I'm going to listen to what music they're doing and I'm going to be like, okay, what can I bring to the table? What do you see as your role when you're in like a team like that? I think I just do a little bit of everything and a little bit of nothing. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, like I, I still am trying to figure out, I'm like, man, when are they going to kick me out of this room? I'm like, I don't really do much. I don't add that much to the, I don't bring that much to the table. Like, you know, and I say a lot of stupid, look, I'd say for every good thing I, I say like smart thing, that's like pushing a song forward. I probably say 
a hundred that are pulling it back. Like it, it, but all it takes is that one good idea. After you had that initial string of hits, um, it seems like you could kind of do whatever you want, like work with whoever you want. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you go from there? Like what, like what, what challenges you after you've already had a bunch of like number one albums and you sort of like gotten as far up a chart as a person can go up a chart? Um, you know, it's like finding a, a washed up artist finding, finding, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people washed up artists are here. going to hear it and be like, I got to pick up the phone. And call them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> call me. And then a lot of, uh, a lot of new artists. I really like same thing. There's that hunger. Yeah. And then, I like working in fields that are that are interesting where there's no rules, you know, like like working with a Francis and the Lights. There's no rules. It's just like or like I know that like Francis is a character and it's going to be a mission and it's like, "Oh, I got to do this record." Yeah. Like because the world needs it. Yeah. The world needs more Francis and the Lights. The world needs, you know, that raw emotion and and character and point of view and the little power I do have being able to use that in the right way is to get the right music heard is like, and, and work on, on what I think is some of my favorite music is, is what I got to do. You know, making music to me, I do what inspires me. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's going to be big, small, whatever. I, 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 I have to sit down every day and I got to wake up. I got to, you know, I got to sit down in that chair every day and say, well, this, this inspires me. And if it doesn't inspire me, why am I doing it? When you look back on the records you've done, do you remember, do you think of the music that it resulted in? Or do you think of the experience of making that music? I think it's a combination of both. There's also that, that feeling like one of the best feelings I ever get is like when I'm like at a concert, like this is like the ultimate me not wanting to be an artist. When I'm at a concert and I see like the artist performing my song that I did with them, like yeah. our song that we did together. It's just like, and see like kids screaming every word to it. And I'm like, I was that kid before. And I was, and wow, I get to do this now. And, and you know, being in a car and seeing like a girl like screaming at the top of her lungs in the car, like pretending she's in the music video to a song that I was involved in is like the ultimate like gift. And it's part of that being able to look anonymously where like you would never have that ability if it was, if you, that person knew they were being watched by the person who made the song. Probably. Yeah. I, I mean, I never thought about it that way, but to- but totally. Yeah. I love being able to. You're a music to- voyeur. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're still like, you're still under 30 years old, but you've been doing this for a while. You're kind of a veteran. Yeah. It's weird. In, this, in the, the profession you've chosen. And, you know, generally like when an artist ages or has been doing this for a decade, it's like, oh, you stay, start making different music. Like you, you evolve in that way. Like how does like your maturation like affect how you do your job? Does like, do your priorities change? Does this kind of stuff you want to work on change? Yeah, I think I'm constantly changing, like evolving every day, but it's like, yeah, I sit there and I'm like, fuck, 
what am I going to do when I'm like 35? It's like, shit, like that's like so long from now. Like, like what am I going to do when I'm 40? Am I still going to be making records? Like, what am I going to be doing? I have no idea. I just try to take it one day at a time. Yeah. And just like, you know, every day, just try to challenge myself and push myself to do something I've never done before. Don't get comfortable. All right. Um, at the end of the show, we like to play a little game. Okay. It's called Peak Experiences. Okay. It's just a series of simple questions. Okay. First question is, um, actually, I'm interested as a, a lead into this question. Like, what got you back into smoking weed this time? A girlfriend. Oh, there you go. She was just like, yo, she was like, why don't you just try it? And I was like. I was like, I was like, I don't know, man. It makes me anxious. I haven't done it in a while and I get bad anxiety. Like, I don't know. And then I smoked one time with her and we were in Brooklyn actually. And like, we like went and like ate all these tacos afterwards. And it was just like, and I was like, dude, I feel like a kid again. And then like, ever since then it's been good. And I haven't had too many bad experiences. Knock on wood. Okay, so following up that question, what's your favorite way to enjoy weed now? Like in a totally ideal setting, what's your ritual? What's your like, this is the perfect way to do this? <clears throat> There's so many different ways. I, I have in, in LA, um, I have, I really like to smoke weed before I go in the pool. Yeah, like this, I think that this pool, that's the second mention of this pool on the podcast. What did Francis mention? Francis described his <laughs> like, um, like, standing very still in the pool and tipping over technique i believe <laughs> <laughs> yeah could you would you care to comment on that technique and, and what you what you think about it stoned or not stoned watching francis in the pool is a true like delight like watching francis walk around and like figure out like he like figures everything out in the pool songs you know life advice to self yeah like like yeah, I love smoking pot. Um, in I love doing it there. I love doing it with great company, so it doesn't matter like where I'm doing it. I You're kind of an entertainer. You like to like cook. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love love pot while cooking. Yeah, like just like good music smoking a joint going yeah so you're around. you're a joint person in an ideal setting in an ideal setting yeah I, I, but i like everything you know <laughs> like if if i'm with some rappers and they're smoking a blunt i'll smoke a blunt yeah i uh if i'm smoking myself i prefer a joint like, yeah or like one of those like pens do you have the um blunt rolling confidence to roll a blunt in a in a rap session no chance zero chance no chance. i'd never even try zero zero chance like i don't even dude it's been so long since i've even rolled joints because now i get those little joints that you like can just like stuff the weed in and yeah. roll it like i don't even know how confident i am rolling a joint now yeah it's like a great joint what's a memorable place you visited well hi <laughs> could be well high uh, <clears throat> you don't fly right very rarely okay. i don't like to fly so does that mean that the places you the places you visit are like largely um uh vehicle accessible from uh mainland north america i don't know dude i've found myself in some weird places okay didn't you go record in england this year yeah i took a boat to england oh, how was the boat ride uh you know, seven short days, man. Um, it was. It did was, you guys have a studio going on the boat? On the way there, we I did it with Ed Sheeran, and we like built the studio and recorded. Like we had our own studio on a boat. Like like a lot of the album that you hear was made on a boat. Did you and like Ed, like was this the kind? Of, it was like a cruise ship, or is yeah, this like a full on cruise? So ship. was there like onboard entertainment? Yeah, 
Yeah. Were you guys tempted to like rock to just go up and like play a show on the cruise? <laughs> I don't think Ed was. Uh, uh, we we did go to the casino though. Oh yeah, but like we wound up just like living in that studio room. You know, we were like every day just wanting to like make music and all day and then like watch movies and what kind of like songs does a cruise ship and is there a lot of like buffet kind of ideas <laughs> we didn't start many ideas we were just finishing tons of ideas on the boat like a song that's on radio right now we literally did like a lot of it on the boat you know and it was like it was cool. It was, Were you just in a, like a bedroom, like a like a like a cabin, or was no? That... They gave us like this like weird, really big room, like huge room on the bottom that was like there was literally a door that if you like unscrewed, all the water would shoot <laughs> in. Like it was kind of weird, and it was freezing down there always. And it was it was like it was kind of creepy, but it was fun. But yeah, the best place I went was after England. I took a vacation for like a month. Parts of Italy are like some of the best places I've ever been in my entire life. Do you just like go crazy eating when you're somewhere like Italy? Yes, I go crazy eating everywhere. And especially cause it's like everything is good. And I love the fact that like you can have the best meal of your life for like 15 bucks 20 bucks you yeah know? and it's like, with wine yeah exactly and it's just like insane the way of living the people how fresh everything is and it's just like even like you'll be like hey i think i'm gonna cook breakfast today yeah and like go downstairs to like a bodega like their version of a bodega <clears throat> and you're like Oh, I guess I'll grab these tomatoes. Yeah, I'll grab these eggs. And you go upstairs and you're fucking Mario Batali. Like you're like you're like whoa. You're like, am I this good at cooking? Like, yeah, I got I, uh, a friend of mine's parents had a house there, and we were buying like really like fresh tomatoes and making pasta. And I was like, I think I might be a really really good cook. And then I came back to New York. I was like, no. Nope. Still not a yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, you're like, dude, I think I'm sick. And then I tried the same thing. Like yeah. every day, what I would do there is get like these like cherry vine tomato things yeah and all i would do is put olive oil salt and pepper on them and roast them in the oven and I, they were like the best things i've ever tasted and then like i and like i'd make like eggs on the side and i got back and i was like dude i'm doing the same thing here every day yeah. and i made it and i was like wait this sucks i was like this food sucks <laughs> <laughs> do you get any hash while you're in italy I didn't smoke. I didn't smoke in Italy. I did smoke like in Paris. I was like, "Yo, I need good weed." And like my friend like hooked me up with this dealer, and this like guy. He's like, he's like, Urgh! he like pulls up in this car, and I was like with my dad, and he like pulls up in this car, and he's like, "Get in!" And I was just like, and like I, uh, I look at my dad, and I'm like, "Dad," and he's like, and the guy was like, "Not him," and I was like, "All right, <laughs> get in with this old dude," and he like swerves, and he's like, he's like, money, and I'm like, uh. And, and I'm like, Ugh. and I like get this weed. And I'm like, hey, like, so what? And he's like, no English. And then he <laughs> opens up the door and like kicks me out. So I like got this weed and it like looks like dog shit. It was so bad. Yeah. But for some reason. You started thinking about making a 90s rap right Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, it was like really nice. And like I got high with my family and like went to museums. And it was like the weed was like just above shitty. Yeah. Like, and like just below and like way below good stuff. But it was like, oh man, it was like this like good kind of high. And it was like, it was fun. 
if I could, if someone would just sell me some like mid low mid grade weed, I would keep just like a cookie jar. Like it's very it's comforting. <laughs> That's what I like. Me too. It's like some of the this weed's too good now. Like someone's like, oh man, like what type of weed is this? I'm like, I don't know. I take three hits of it and I'm fucking baked. It yeah. doesn't matter what type of weed it is. They all do the same shit to me. That's why that's why I was kind of asking you about like whether it makes your job easier. I imagine that occasionally you're in the studio with someone and then it's just like, oh. They went too far. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, a lot of these guys, like, especially, like, the rappers, dude, they'll smoke, like, an ounce of weed and be fine. 40 blunts to the head. <laughs> and they're like, what time are we going to? Like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. When you're working, like, in a studio situation, it's like, we need to get a snack. What's your go-to? I order so much food when I'm in a studio. Like, I, I need a full meal. I definitely love like I know it's not a snack, but like coconut water is like the ultimate. It is kind of a snack because it's, it's got a little food in it. It's so soothing. It's so good. Some people think it tastes like you know like fucking socks or a nut sack or cum, but like I, it's like that sweet nectar. Do you like a fresh coconut too? I would kill for one. Like anytime I'm in Chinatown, I'm getting that lady to cut open a fresh one for me. Okay. You're going to be on a desert island okay. for the rest of your life. Okay. Maybe some weed growing there. Okay. You have to bring one CD with you. I'm not necessarily asking what your favorite CD is. I'm like, if you if you were limited to a single musical experience. Wow, this is this is a toughie one for people who make music, I know. Well, one, oh, do you ask everyone? This yeah, question? yeah. And some people are like, oh, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> really? Yeah. Shit, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I make might make myself a mixtape. That's that's uh, I'm gonna allow it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that anything that fits on a CD is fair. Yeah, know? I would make myself a mixtape of like some soothing stuff, some turn up stuff, some oh, like I stuff see. for if I'm sad. You're creating not, a sampler. Yeah, for I gotta yourself. create like a little thing because I can't, I can't, I couldn't listen to the same song. Every CD would be dog shit if if uh, you know I had to listen to the same thing every day. <laughs> you know. Um, tell me about a uh, a great stoned viewing experience that you've had. Uh, movie, TV. My favorite thing to do, like if I'm going to see a movie that's this type of movie, is get like really stoned with all my friends before I go see the movie. Then get in the theater, like really kick back, take my shoes off, get every snack known to mankind, and really just like enjoy that movie, like so high like just like without a worry like everything's super size like you know that that's my favorite type of viewing experience what's um something you're still looking forward to just living getting new experiences and like anytime anytime i i meet someone or spend time with someone i feel like i learned something new like today i i was at um i was at uh the Whitney Museum with a bunch of my friends who knew uh, who knew a lot about art. You know, I'm I'm really into art and I I, I know a, a good amount, but like just with someone who's like how I am with music, like a true encyclopedia, and just walking around with them and learning the history as just having a conversation. I saw I saw a piece like there was a there was a a part of of uh, like a little exhibition that like truly brought me to tears like it was crazy like it was so beautiful i i it actually brought me to tears and i was and just experiences like that that can move me and 
and, and move my emotion so much, whether it be happy, sad, whether I want to fuck, cry, you know, I just want to live, man. I want to live and I want to do, I want to do cool shit and do good shit for other people and for myself. Uh, well, thank you very much, Benny Blanco. Thank you. That was Stoner. Uh, thanks very much to Benny Blanco for coming in. Uh, thanks to Ann Garrett for editing this show. Thanks to Justine Dom, our producer, who's going to be doing some booking for this show. Uh, we're here every Tuesday. If you want to know a little bit more about this show, you can check out an interview I did for MaryJane.com. Or perhaps you'd like to hear me on Earwolf's The Wolf's Den, uh, a podcast about podcasting where I also talked about it. They're both up this week. I will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>